The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Junior Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. Hey, hockey fans, welcome. Episode 5 of the Weekly Harvest. I'm Brandon Crow, voice of the Brandon Wheat Kings and Cute Country Radio. He's Chris Falco, the uh, in-arena voice of the Brandon Wheat Kings, as well uh, the director of game day operations and kind of mastermind behind uh, a lot of what goes on behind the scenes. And uh, I wash the truck, Crow. <laughs> Honestly, some days it feels like I do that more than anything else. And put dollars, minimal dollars worth of gas in it, just hopes that Scooter has to fill it up the next time he gets in it. Hopefully we score six, save some money, that's all. Uh, that's one way to look at it. Uh, another episode of the Weekly Harvest, uh, wherever you may be getting your podcast from, uh, also available for those of you uh, watching on WCG TV. Uh, we're going to go part two tonight uh, of our segment with uh, Dave Lowry. Part one, uh, a great inside look, not really talking about hockey, just a lot more personality and some personal stories about his wife raising four kids, life in the NHL. He gets into some good hockey stories here in the second half, playoff hockey in, in Florida, in Calgary, the year of the rat, everything else that comes along with it. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, segment one. I I wish it could have all played at the same time, but of course we had to get to the deadline. Really looking forward to to segment two here today. And it's podcast forum, so feel free to go back two weeks and you can listen to to part one and then check out part two. Uh, Actually, when we get into this part two, it starts right off with the Year of the Rat, which is a great story. Florida Panthers, a team that really hasn't made a whole lot of noise since he was there, but a team that has made a lot of noise, the Brandon Wheat Kings. The month of January, how about the run they're on right now? They've won nine in a row uh, the month of January. How about this? They've outscored their opponents 25-5, to and they're 7-0 and in the month of January. Since December 1st, they're 12-2-0-2, just two regulation losses since December 1st. We have been talking about this for weeks now, how we just seem to think that the guys are just clicking, but it starts from the back end out. It's that Dave Lowry system that seems like it took a while for all the players not to buy in. I think just to learn all the new systems and the style of play that he expects, but... Since they've started playing like this, if, if it's Yuri and seems like he's standing on his uh, on his head. If it's uh, Kruger and Nets, as you saw on Saturday, it wasn't like it was a 14 save shut up performance in Moose Jaw. I mean, he faced you know 30 shots and and uh, and and still performed like that. But from the defenseman out and the scoring as well, it, like in the, earlier in the season, we kept talking about how it was a Luca Burzan, Cole Reinhardt. They go on these big hot stretches and they would score two, three goals a game for multiple games in a row. That's not happening right now because you're getting contributions from all four lines. Like Every guy is chipping in here. Seven guys have at least two goals in the month of January. Leading the pack is Luca Burzan. He's got six goals, including two in that big 6 nothing win over Moose Jaw on Saturday night. And uh, yeah, you touched on Ethan Kruger. It just seemed to me, and I was going to make the tweet, uh, you know the, the tweet of you know where one guy does something and the other guy says, hold my beer, I'll do it better? <laughs> I kind of thought of that. You know, Yuri Patera goes and posts three shutouts, and then Kruger says, you know what, Yuri, hold my beer, I got one. One in me too as he goes out there and posts 35 saves but both goaltenders playing excellent the thing for me and Perry and Pete and I talked about it on the broadcast is the shot blocking and the buy-in defensively mm-hmm. these players are throwing limbs feet sticks uh, even Ben McCartney blocked one off his head don't know if it was intentional I just hit him in the helmet but these guys are doing everything to keep the puck away from their goaltenders and it's contagious the energy on the bench created by these uh, defensive uh, plays the back checking everything this is the most fun I've had watching a weekend club 
arguably since I started uh, four years ago. This has just been some great hockey. Fans uh, that have been coming to the games are loving it. The fans that haven't been have been missing out uh, nine games in a row. They'll look to make it ten in a row on Friday night when Victoria comes to town. And the last game on Friday night, I, I don't know if the, if you felt this way, I thought that that was one of the most entertaining on-ice products that we've seen all season. Uh, the game itself was thrilling. It had a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, and but nothing brings a crowd together like some bad refing calls as well. It seems to just kind of solidify the the, 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 the fan base. But you, you had that. You had some fights. You had the scrums. You had some incredible saves in both nets. I mean, got to give the, the Calgary goalie full credit there as well. Of course, he was named one of the three stars. Um, it was an incredible game to be a part of. And on bobblehead night, and you kind of mentioned the fans that were there, they got treated to a great show, hopefully even more show up for this weekend. It was a 3-1 win on Friday, Brandon over Calgary. That was their eighth consecutive win. Uh, we've got some post-game reaction for you here uh, now. Score goal in Canada. Oh, <laughs> it was good. Uh, the crowd was behind us tonight, and uh, to, to get one in front of them, it was a pretty special feeling. So obviously eight games in a row. What has your group been doing lately, you think, that's been leading to the success? Oh, I think we've, uh, we've just been trusting our game plan. Uh, we... We're playing for the guys next to us every night, and I think if every guy can do it for the guy next to him, good things are going to happen. And it's just the the feeling we know we can do it now, and we're beating some of the teams ahead of us in the standings and climbing up. So we're confident right now. What are you seeing from your goaltender these days? Oh, it's uh, it's honestly something special to watch. Yeah, uh, you feel safe. You feel safe with him back there. Uh, he's bailed us out a few times, but uh, right from the goalie, right on through the defensemen and forwards where uh, it's a solid group right now. seems like the character of this team really lately especially has been hard work and defending your own net. Uh, what are you seeing in the ice? Uh, just a lot of pride I guess. You know we really bearing down in our end and you know we're starting to figure out what it takes to win and our, our D zone is one of the more important areas so I think taking care of that is what we're, what we're looking at. It's one of the better starts you guys had tonight uh, in the last little while. Was there anything different that Dave told you, or was there any message that you guys went into the game thinking of differently? Uh, well, you know, Calgary being where they are in the standings, and us, you know, we're we're trying to hunt down teams and not not fall behind a bit. So I guess just that urge to want to beat them, really. So that right there was first Jake Chase on, followed up by Duncan Pierce. Uh, Jake with his first goal in the WHL on Canadian soil. Uh, that was kind of the lead into the first question there. Uh, but again, we're talking about like contributions from from guys like that. Uh, it really helped on Friday night. Certainly has. Guys like Marcus Sekundiak, Duncan Pierce, Ty Thorpe. Jake Chase on's played some excellent hockey as of late. Even Marcus Kelly and Kelly. He had four points in five games heading into Saturday's game in Moose Jaw. He's really started to find his stride as well. So uh, everybody's chipping in. Everybody, as Dave Lowry said, everybody's grabbing their lunch pail, throwing on their work boots and going to work and, uh, you know, goaltenders, defense, everybody's chipping in. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, they've won nine in a row. Uh, the last time they won 10 in a row was back in the 2017 season. Um, and, uh, you know, the, this, this, this train just keeps rolling and uh, looking forward to this weekend. And a couple of real big games. So this Friday night, it is uh, the Victoria Royals in town, which is kind of an interesting story as well with the being, you know, Dave Lowry's former club. Um, they're obviously a very hot team this year. And then Lethbridge on Saturday. But how important these games are, the fact that right now the Wheat Kings are four points out of the division lead, 
forget this this winning streak, but just the fact that these two games coming up, the four points are on the table for those very tough teams, and then they hit the road trip. So um, this whole seven games in January, it seems like it's almost flowing by real quick with five already being done, but can't look past these two. Streak aside, there's a big four points on the line here. Considering when you look at the standings right now as well, and uh, you know coming into this week, Brandon, you know realistically a division title is not out of the question. I mean, Prince Albert, Winnipeg, only a couple of points ahead of them. I know there's going to be some games this week that are probably going to change the standings uh, heading into this weekend, but um, that top spot is not without uh, with outside of the grasp of reality right now. And if this Brandon team can keep winning and winning important games, uh, there could be an opportunity to hang a red banner from the rafters here heading to the playoffs, which would just be exceptional considering the way this team started. It really would. So we'll talk more about the games coming up this weekend momentarily. Right now, though, we got to get into this. It is part two of our interview with Wee King head coach Dave Lowry. Year of the Rat. Now, that story is one of hockey's greatest folklore stories, mystery surrounding it. Do you remember how that all started? I know that they've talked about it on SportsCenter and, and everything, but were you there? Did you see it? How did this all plan, pan out? Do you want the honest story, or do you want the made-up version? <laughs> we want to know what really happened here. Well, this is true. We had a, we had a makeshift dressing room, and, and it was because... Obviously, with the team coming in, and we only practiced, or we only played down in Miami, and we practiced up in Pompano. Well, underneath the stands, and you know, downtown, I, there there are rats, and 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 they're and they're decent size. <laughs> and so we're all getting ready to go out for for the start of the game, and you come into the dressing room, and it it comes down a hall. It's a long haul. Well, this rat comes in, and you hear all these guys screaming. And you're like, "What the hell's going on here?" Like, there's you know, guys are some guys are in the hall, some guys are out already outside the room, and some guys are in the room. And sure enough, this rat comes in and makes a turn and turns right. And guys are jumping out of the way, and this thing's running around in a circle in the room. And Scott Mellonby smacks it, and one times it, and it hits. It goes right. He smacks it right against the wall, and the actually, you know, this thing's turned upside down. There's fur on a stick, and <laughs> and he he proceeds to go out and uh, score score two goals, and and uh, Beezer Beezer named it the uh, Rat Trick. That's so, fantastic. So uh, now this now this takes a whole new life of yeah. its own, right? You 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 go out a couple games later, someone someone throws a rat. Well, the image I have in my head, and I mean, I grew up a bit of a Colorado Avalanche fan, is Patrick Waugh ducking himself into the net <laughs> to avoid all the rubber rat. To me, that image is burned in my head. That had to be really cool, but a little bit annoying, too, didn't it, at the same time? Well, you, you know what? And it went to where it started like one or two rats, and then three or four, and then the next thing you know, there was 20, and then the next thing you know, there was 100. And someone got smart, like uh, someone who worked with Orkin Pest Control started dressing the people up in their outfits, in their uniforms. So when they'd go out, it would be with the Orkin outfit. Oh, the pest right? control. Clean the up pest through. control, yeah. right? Oh. And then so now there people started painting rats and painting jerseys on rats. And you couldn't get, you couldn't buy a plastic rat in South Florida, <laughs> right? You could get live ones wherever you wanted, but you could buy a plastic one. But people started putting them on fishing poles. Like those little pocket fishermen, and they watch a guy trying to grab it, and they'd be reeling it in. <laughs> and you know, every once in a while, they'd be up from the top deck, and they'd be throwing like they'd be throwing them. So they put ball bearings in them so they could make it, right? <laughs> so every once in a while, you see one of the pest control guys leaking. <laughs> so it was it was actually pretty good. But uh, going to what you had said about Patrick, the vision and the photo that you see with him in the net, he went in in the dressing room after that after that. Uh, last episode and and he said that's the last goal they score and sure enough we uh we lost in game four 
one nothing in triple OT. That's uh, I've heard him say that a couple of times, and he was pretty good at backing it up. So, unfortunately, the Panther fans may have uh, ticked off the wrong guy <laughs> at that point. Oh, wow. What a great story. I uh, want to ask now, towards the end of your playing <clears throat> career, Dave, was this one of those things where you knew that you were almost like, like a Reggie Dunlop at that point, where you were kind of like a player coach, where you knew you wanted to transition into a behind-the-bench role? Or were you just so focused on your playing career that when it was over, you didn't really know what you wanted to do yet? Just because you kind of went pretty quick from ending in 04 to joining the Hitman in 05. Lockout year kind of gave me a, <clears throat> a bit of time to think about it. But the reality was was my my last year. Um, I... I got hurt in January in in Long Island, and I I'd, I'd always known that I was going to stay in the game in in some capacity, and whether it was going to be uh, TV broadca- broadcasting, I, I really had a an interest in that. Um, but I really liked the coaching part of it, and uh, still you you like the management side, but that's not something or an area that I wanted to travel. Um, so I was hurt, and fortunate that uh, Daryl. Sutter got suspended for a couple games, and and game one, game one we uh, we lose, we get beat pretty good at home, and and if you know Daryl with the injured guys, he doesn't sometimes communicate with them. Sometimes he doesn't even <laughs> know you exist and all that. But uh, you know, it, it, <laughs> so after the day after the game, and and I get hurt in January, and now we're into February, and I walk in the room. And I know that the team's going to practice, and, and I was back skating, but I knew that I wasn't going to play. I was kind of relying, resigned to the fact that, uh, you know, I was probably done. And uh, Daryl looks at me and goes, ah, right? And I went, oh, good morning, Daryl. Nice to see you. <laughs> right? He goes, man, he goes, you know what? I, want, I meant to call you. I stopped. And I went, what? He goes, yeah, I meant to call you. He says, uh, I want you to go on the bench. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, you know, we weren't very good. I think I need you on the bench uh, tomorrow. So we play in we play in Arizona, and uh, uh, Daryl Daryl has the one game left on the suspension. So I go on the bench, and next day I go back and I practice, and we go to San Jose, and he's back, and there's Rob Cookson, Rich Preston, Jim Playfair, and so now I'm like. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, was I on the bench, brought on the trip for one game or, or whatever, right? So I'm asking these guys, has he said anything to you? And they're like, no, no. So I said to, I said to Daryl, finally, about t- uh, 10 after 7, the guys are out in warm-up, and he's pacing in the room. I said, Daryl, where am I tonight? Am I on the bench or am I in the stands? He goes, you're on the bench. I said, okay, fine. So I go back on the bench. And and now we don't, we don't play for a couple days. And... I'm like back practicing, back, you know, like <laughs> life is normal. Reggie Dunlop. <laughs> yeah, for real. Life is normal, right? And, yeah. And uh, still nothing, right? He, he hasn't said anything to me or whatever. Finally, I went in there and we we're we we're playing. Uh, I think it was Columbus, and I and I walked in the room again. It was guys were out for warm up, and I said to Daryl, I said, "Where am I?" I said, "What am I doing?" He goes, "You're on the bench." And I said, "From that point on, I never asked. I just, you know, I'd practice in the morning and I." show up at night I'd go on the bench and, you know in between periods the coaches would go left I'd go back into the room and you know that, that, that that's the way it was for a while and then we got into the playoffs and and sure enough that uh, we were playing Vancouver and we we end up beating them that's uh, the game that they score late and we win in overtime and uh, 
you know, the coaches are all hugging, and I'm standing on the bench, and the players are all gone. And I'm like, ah, this is what looking it's for like. a trainer yeah. for a high five. <laughs> <laughs> I was chasing them down. They're packing the sticks already. So from that point on, I knew that uh, that's where I wanted to be. And and uh, you know, it, it's it's a whole different perspective, right? And and uh, so then we. Go, we continue on that and that was in the 04 run and we continue on and and uh daryl i'm i haven't played now now it's may 1st and i get i get a phone call and i'm looking at my phone and i'm not, i don't recognize the number so i'm not i'm actually playing blackjack <laughs> <laughs> right and i and i and i don't recognize the number so i kind of fold it up and i'm like no no now this team service guy called me and i'm like what do you want and he goes they want you to play tomorrow. I'd be like, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, they want you to play tomorrow. I said, no, no, no. I said, I, you know what? I can't play. I said, I haven't done any contact since January 5th. It's May 1st. So I called, called Rich Preston, and I said, Rico, what's the deal here? He says, Daryl wants you to play. I said, what? He goes, yeah, Daryl wants you to play. You're I looking said, for your skates at this point? I'm <laughs> wondering where you put them. I said, thank God I brought my equipment. But you know what? No, it... Uh, he says, yeah, he only wants you to play a couple of minutes. He needs you in the room. He needs you on the bench, and he needs you to take care of a couple of guys, make sure they're ready to play. I said, okay, that's fine. I said, I'll, you know, if, I can, if I'm only going to play two minutes, I'll, I, I probably can get through it, right? I end up playing 14. And I'm like, oh, geez. The next day, I can't even walk. But I play the next two games, and we win, and I take a couple of games off, and I just would go in and out for a game here, a game there. Certainly a, a wild uh, stretch in Calgary. That playoff run how would you compare it to the playoff run in Florida? I know the fan base is different, and it kind of gripped the country in Calgary, but was it night and day different in terms of the atmosphere? Atmosphere, uh, probably in Calgary, the team had not made the playoffs for for a few years. You could hear, and they had opened the doors early, you could hear the rumbling, like the whole building, like the saddle dome was shaking, and... and, uh, you, you, the environment that it uh, created, and and that's that's when the uh, Sierra Red was created, and and what a what a what a spectacle it was, what a great, uh, you know, Seventeenth Avenue is, you know, that was when it all started, and the original Seventeenth Avenue was really good, and and when you're playing, you don't have an opportunity to really go and enjoy it, but we did drive by it a couple times just to kind of see what it was all about. That must have been unreal, too, for you to not play for that long of a stretch. And those games you get back into are those games with that kind of environment. It probably wasn't that hard to get that excited to play in those games, though. Oh, no. Hey, when you can prepare to play two minutes, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's really easy to, to get up and, and get after it. But I, I remember banging and banging on a, on a loose puck, and the next thing I know, I'm on one knee, and Darren McCarty's just reefing on me. I'm like, man, what what am I doing? Like, <laughs> it's Saturday afternoon, it's 1 o'clock, and now it's one thirty by now, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wild. Uh, I wanted to finish off uh, on the thought of, you know, having, you know, your son Adam turn into the player that he is in Winnipeg. We talked about your kids, and I know you got a daughter playing down uh, D3 college in the States, and you know Joel, we touched on him a little bit, but with Adam and the success he's had, and now that you and your wife are this close, is it easier for, for you and your wife to just jump into Winnipeg and watch Adam play, and what is that like for you? Are you still coaching him from the crowd, or are you sitting back and just getting mad at him for not back-checking hard enough? How does that all play out? Well, according to my wife, I have a hard time sitting and just watching a game, because you know I can verbalize what's going on, and she's looking at me like, what the hell you doing and like keep it quiet there's people around and i'm like okay right but i enjoy watching them play um it is 
a great opportunity being in Brandon, traveling to Winnipeg. But believe it or not, our schedules don't don't really yeah. allow a lot of games. And and I think I've been to four or five this year, and and recently like two over two over the Christmas break. Um, I try and give him his space. You know, we don't. I don't want to be that uh, helicopter parent that's always around and and that. But I do enjoy watching uh, the kids play and. Like, and I did actually say this to Elaine yesterday. I said, this is an opportunity that we haven't been afforded, so let's make sure that we, we do take advantage of it and, and let's not really feel guilty yep. showing up whenever we can because sometimes, you know, like up until December, I, I got into a, to one game. So, And sometimes if you're there all the time, I, I, I get it. I wouldn't. I don't want to see my parents all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, I get what he's thinking. Certainly, uh, Neil. Well, we should slowly begin to wrap this up. And Chris and I talked about maybe introducing a bit of a rapid-fire segment at the end of our interviews. So I came up with a couple of questions for you. Keep keep the answers short, but it's kind of a chance to, to ask you some, some funny questions and some, some humorous ones. I'll start with, if you weren't a hockey player and you finished after your 20-year-old year, what would you have done for a career? I would have been a cop. And hands down, like that was uh, playing. And it's supposed to be rapid fire, right? So yep. be quick. So you've been a cop. All right, city cop or RCMP? I uh, probably would have started uh, OPP, provincial. Funniest teammate you ever had? Oh, jeez. See, I stumped him. Question two. <laughs> Question two. No, I played with a lot of. I've played with a lot of characters. That's a, that's a problem. Um, I'll come back to that. I want to ask who's one teammate that you would never want to play against. Paul Laws. Because of toughness? Yeah. Most prized piece of memorabilia you collected from your playing days? The picture with Garth and probably uh, the silver stick. For a thousand games, right? Yeah. Uh, worst injury you suffered? Uh, probably the slap shot in the face. And that was from your own teammate, wasn't it? It was. And, and we, had a, we had a running joke in Florida. And this, uh, you know, I can't be quick on this No, that's one, fine. Right? This is a good story. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a... We had a and it was kind of like a running joke, but it wasn't a running joke. It was like we would throw pucks back to the D, and they'd come and they'd be whistling them by our by our ears and that. And you know how everybody says injuries happen in threes and all that. Well, sure enough, I I picked up a puck in the slot, and we were playing in the Boston Gardens on a Saturday afternoon. And and we had always told these guys, if you hit one of us in the face directly with a slap shot, we'll make sure that we get you traded and you'll be out of here, right? And that that was a, that was a running joke. And sure enough, I pass it pass it back, and it's Alex Gadinyuk, and I see him wind up, and I'm turning, and I'm square, and I'm watching this puck, and it's just rising, and it's coming right between my eyes. And at the last second, I turn and I flinch, and it it catches me on the cheekbone, and you know, obviously through surgery and all that, and about four days later, five days later, he was traded. <laughs> <laughs> Worst rink you've ever played in the NHL? Worst to whether it be facility wise, like dressing room and grungy, darker, or least favorite place to play? Some place you just didn't want to get. Yeah. Um. Well, the, the the dressing room in the old Chicago Stadium was terrible. The dressing room in the old Boston Garden was terrible. But those were probably the best rinks to play in. So your favorite rink to play in? Uh, Long Island. Really? Nassau Coliseum. Why is that? Because I used to have some good games in there. <laughs> I, saying, I, don't know, I don't know how many guys you'd get picking that rink as their favorite rink to play but, in. But you know what? I also I love the Chicago Stadium, the old Chicago Stadium. Like we, we used to play... 
Saturday night in St. Louis and Sunday night in Chicago. So the wars were on back when it was the Chuck Norris division. Last one. If you look back on your career, both playing and coaching, what moment slash accomplishment are you most proud of? Uh, I stumped him again. No, you know <laughs> that's a big question. That's though. a huge that's question. A it's a very loaded. Question. I get it, but yeah, there'd be a lot you can go through there. Moment that uh, probably most proud of. Uh, you know, I, I I couldn't really name one one specific moment. I I you know I, I was fortunate that uh, being a being a role uh, a role guy. I was I was uh, afforded an opportunity to play with some really great people, and and we had a lot of really good moments. Well, Dave, this was awesome. Yeah, no, really appreciate you joining us here and uh, and getting into this day. This is great. That was part two of our interview with head coach Dave Lowry, the Brandon Wee Kings. Uh, what, a, what a great interview that was. Again, if you missed part one, you can go back a couple of weeks and take a listen. Uh, Crow, we have to get him back on the podcast in the future. And maybe, one, I want to hear some more 90s stories because I love those. But two, actually, maybe talk with the Wee Kings a little <laughs> bit with him. Because yeah. that entire time, it, it was great. But we didn't even get around to what he was doing this year. So we'll have to get Dave back in for sure. Maybe at the end of the year, kind of a State of the Union uh, look back yeah. on, on what he thought of his first year. Uh, but obviously, this team is is hoping to go long and deep into the playoffs. Just a couple of stats for you. So, Brandon, on this nine-game winning streak, uh, the longest unbeaten streak uh, for a Western Hockey League club. Now, this is back in the 70s where they didn't have overtime in a shootout, but they had ties. Okay, hold on, hold on. Before we go into this, 78-79 is my guess. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's yeah, got to yeah, be. That, it. <laughs> that, that team set, like, every Wheat King record that any future club hopes to achieve, not just for the Wheat Kings, but across the WHL. Seems like that was the year, but Over two on. seasons, they went 49 games without <laughs> a loss. Now, there may have been a few ties mixed wow. in there, but from February 11th, 78, to December 13th, 78. So that's the end of one season and the start of another. 49 games without a loss. Uh, the longest unbeaten, unbeaten streak in one season was, of course, the start of that 78 season. September 25th to December 13th, they went 29 games without a loss. The last true winning streak for Brandon that included uh, overtime, shootouts, everything else, uh, was in 1996. They went 23 games uh, winning wow. consecutively. Uh, that went into the playoffs from February 18th to April 14th, 23 straight games. So, Brandon, nine seems like a lot. they got a long ways to go. <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, win are wins and they've climbed their way back up the standings setting the table for a big weekend uh, coming up against two pretty tough opponents in Victoria and uh, the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Yeah, and and this nine in a row like like you kind of mentioned, winning streak aside, it's got them back into the division hunt. I mean, all of a sudden now it's only 4 points back. Uh it doesn't seem like it's so insurmountable like like it was even just a couple of weeks ago. Um this winning streak has been fantastic for that, but uh, it's it's the work is far from over. Yeah, now Thursday of this week uh, Prince Albert is at home to Edmonton or pardon me that's on Friday uh, so you know that's going to be a game that the fans are going to be scoreboard watching I know that a lot of fans are keeping an eye on Prince Albert what they're doing what Winnipeg's doing but right now in the standings as of recording today PA with 54 points Winnipeg with 55 and Brandon right there 51 points they actually have a game in hand on Prince Albert as well only mm-hmm. 44 games played for the BWK 45 for the Raiders so three back of the second spot four back of the top spot uh, and as we've touched on before, if you get into the top two, you're going to have some home playoff hockey, which is where I think a lot of the frustration from the fans over the last couple of years has come from the fact there's only been one home playoff game in four years. The other ones were played in Dauphin, and boy, would it be nice to see a packed house playoff hockey. There's nothing better here in Brandon. And I know it's early, but already on Friday night, a fan came up to me after the game and was saying, oh, 
here we go. I'm calling it Winnipeg Brandon round one. I was like, oh, could you imagine? If it comes down to that final weekend and we play Winnipeg twice, that's obviously a big four points. If that decides not only for playing them, but who gets maybe home ice advantage. Or a division title. For that, or a division title. there It's going to be very, very interesting for a year one of the rivalry with them. But uh, for, for for the fans, you know, Chance Starf, by the way, if you're listening to this, you're probably a pretty big Wheat King fan. You're, you're, you're probably going to be at the game. But uh, bring some friends out on Friday and Saturday. I mean, this is the last chance to check out some Wheat King uh, hockey for at least a couple of weeks with the road trip coming up. And, uh, like like we kept saying, you know, only four points out riding this streak. This is the time that we should be earning the title of Wheat King Country. Um, you know, getting nice full buildings, making making some noise. Um, hopefully, see more than four thousand people out here for sure. We got our first suggestion uh, from a listener. Oh, the email! The we got to give out the email uh, before we're done here yeah, today. We certainly too. do. Uh, we'll get it uh, uh, for you here in a moment. But the one suggestion we did get from a listener, uh, Grady Grieve, chimed in, said uh, he'd love to hear a little brief segment moving forward about some of the pipeline and some of the prospects that are working their way up uh, oh. into the Brandon Weeking organization. Maybe uh, some AAA stats or some Bantam stats. I think that's fantastic. Uh, he says he's uh, looking forward to, to whatever we come uh, come up with. But I think that's a great idea. And uh, I think moving forward, we'll, we'll maybe try and pick a player a week. Uh, what's going on in the midget ranks or bantam ranks? Uh, throw his graphic up. Uh, talk about him a little bit. Uh, and a great suggestion uh, into the old inbox. I love it. If you got a suggestion, if you got a comment, if you just want to tell us to, to, just to, talk, to stop talking about something or keep talking about something, you can get a hold of us. The email is qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. That's Q weekly harvest at gmail.com appreciate any feedback certainly we'll do our best to try and uh, you know accommodate we're we're doing this uh, for for you the weeking fan and the hockey fan in Westman. Uh, we're still not getting paid for this so <laughs> yeah but you get Kadoba every day on mondays when we record so yeah i still gotta pay for it it's well worth it <laughs> yeah i don't know maybe if they're uh, i listeners. smell a sponsorship layered <laughs> yeah we'll have to Want get our sales people all over that but uh we want to uh i guess uh, basically wrap this up uh, episode five in the books uh again you can go back, listen to the first segment with Dave Lowry in episode three, uh, and then hear part two here this afternoon. But uh, for now, all the fans uh, listening, thanks for joining in. And next week's going to be a lot of fun, because for the first time, you're on the road for the podcast. Yes. So for people who watch on WCG-TV, it's going to look a little different. We're going to try some new technology, and even for people who just listen, it might sound a little different. But uh, looking forward to trying this uh, with, with you on the road with the team. We Kings head out on the road through four games through Alberta next week, so we'll uh, bring episode six uh, to you uh, live from a hotel room somewhere in central Alberta. Just glad to get ready, I guess. That's all. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, tune in uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch it on WCG TV. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wee Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wee Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest. <laughs>